This is way right. I mean, this is way right. This is wow. 100 yards right. Two perfect shots, Michael. Got me in the water on one and over the green on the other. The ball itself has its own energy. Or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send them home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Send him home. Welcome to episode 87 of the Break 80 Podcast Outs here, joined by my co-host, short-sighted Mike, Top 100 Tim. I don't know about you guys and how good your Spanish is, but como se dice nap time in Espanol? Because outside of how well Jake Knapp played in Mexico, I do need a nap after getting in at 3 a.m. last night from Palm Springs. A little siesta as I'm coming back from the Dominican Republic myself. Is that what it is, siesta? Siesta, yeah. Well, I need one of those. Um, how are you guys doing? I sat on the couch here in Minnesota and took a nap watching uh, the Napster. Uh, I remember, remember Napster back in the day when you were pir- pirating music left and right? Oh, downloaded so many things on Napster. I was, I was, I'm too young for you guys. I was more of a LimeWire guy. Just, <laughs> Na- just no, never used it. Crashing Napster, computers, just crashing them. <laughs> I hated Napster. Hated Napster. <laughs> I made so many CDs in like college off of Napster, all illegal, all pirated. <laughs> oh, those are the good old days. Well, yes, uh, you know, I'm not here to talk about the Mexico Open at, is it how, Vedanta? Did I say it? Yeah, Vedanta, Vedante, whatever. Who cares? Just, yeah, we, we can't, we can't, we can't, we got to hold ourselves to a higher stand. We can't rip Tim for, for who plays in the event from live. If, if this event has the guys that it had in it, I mean, just absolutely. Hold, no. on. Hold on. It's a national open. Guys, it is this championship. is a national, it's a national championship. I'm this surprised. When, nope. when the PGA tour has to go worldwide, because they should, there's nobody this there. It's going to be a, a major. I'm surprised Rory didn't play. He has a lot of open champions. He's got lots of championships around the world. So yeah. I, I I don't think I'll be honest. I didn't watch it. I'm not sure if you guys watch much of it. Obviously, the Jake Knapp thing is a is kind of a, another you know quote unquote cool story. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't, but um, that's kind of what we've hang our hat on so far this season when it comes to terms of PGA. Let's just story. Haven't had a lot of big time winners um, name you know name guys uh, win win the uh, the tournament. So I don't know. I'll, I'll kind of pass the torch to you guys in, in your comments on, on the Napster. Uh, well, I guess we could talk about him in a second. Cause I do think there's something there with him. He got T three at Torrey Pines too. And he can, he's a good player, but I think the tournament, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible field to be expected between Genesis and Bay Hill, but I, I think the PGA screws these things up still like these kind of events are necessary because you can't just have all signature events with like, you know, 70 players, you know, and live and live or, or when they combine, whatever that is. And ha- you can't, you have to have some space for these younger players to develop and, and, you know, you know, have a chance to get, to keep their card and stuff. I just wish they would do it instead of, you know, letting a bunch of old has-beens in there with guys, with guys like Jake Knapp and some of the younger players that played. Have some of the corn, mix it with the corn fridge. Do like a mixed event with, with so it's all young and up and comers, 
you know, instead of a bunch of guys on old, you know, basically senior tour damn near exemptions that they're almost in, uh, there's got to be a way to do it better where you can have these kind of like, it's not an opposite field event, but it felt like one. And you can still, uh, you know, show people like the future play, the future stars or something. I don't, I don't know. They have to figure out a better way to do this. I, I actually don't mind this. Everyone has been ripping this apart all week. And I think this is the one thing the PGA tour gets right. There's 52 weekends in a year and they go almost wire to wire with events as they should, because they can have these lesser events that do give people, we'll call it snaps. We'll use a football term. They're getting, they're getting snaps in at that point in time. And it's giving them more money than a corn fairy event would. It's giving them more points than a corn fairy event would. And it's giving them the ability to work their way into ranking systems that keeps them on the PGA tour. I'd love to see a couple more of these actually happen uh, to, to where we, we get some of these stories. And I know I've been a hater on this channel of the PGA, not necessarily a hater, more just a, a live lover, but I think the PGA Tour has done a great job at finding ways to make a story out of nothing. Because had they not dug up some of the background on Nap, on a couple of the other guys, if there wouldn't have been a controversial drop uh, during during the final couple holes, there wouldn't have been much to talk about. But they they build a narrative so well around obscure players that I actually, I don't mind hearing about or watching some of these, these off um, major off signature events that they, they have. I think it's, it's wonderful for the, as other podcasts call it, the mules. Um, I think it's wonderful for the guys trying to make it. And uh, it gives us, it gives us something to watch and, and consistency in sports where every other one, the season comes to an end and good old golf is, Right there to give you a hug and say it's okay. I'm on. Don't worry. Did you did you see the drop? Con- did you see the controversy with the boundary I, fence in 18? I, I I did. I and I love that. I did. welcome back to cheating with Tim. Where so every okay. every obstacle is mobile. If you Jeff, got enough, you might not, you might, not have saw, you might not have saw this, Jeff. But what about because one guy claimed he'd go on the other side and hit left handed. Sh or was it Sh Kim? Is that his name? Yeah. Well, what, what a Kim. He claimed that he was going to hop the fence and play it from the other side on this boundary fence because they basically have a cart path and then a bunch of sand, and they were calling the sand an extension of the cart path or something, which made the cart path basically on the fence line, which is where Valamaki got that drop or whatever on the last hole because it was an extension of the cart path. I don't know if 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 Kim actually – I didn't really – I wasn't watching that part. I just heard about it. But it was a total mess, like – Holy shit, just put the fence in a proper spot or make a real cart path. The whole back nine is full of cart paths. I saw on Saturday, I saw more cart paths on TV than I've ever seen in a tour event. This whole thing is like concrete, the whole golf course. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Valamaki was like under the fence and he wanted, he was going to get second place regardless. So it didn't matter. But he was thinking about trying to play the shot from with the ball halfway under this metal fence. Like ridiculous. Uh, which you can't move, obviously, because it's a boundary. You're not supposed to. Um, he took the unplayable and kicked He took kicked it, yeah. The drop, right? Yes, because he was going to get second. He was clear by a few shots. Which, by the way, he's a big boy, old Sammy Valamaki. He's a he's a big husky boy. I was So I was looking. I had to look up photos of him. Would you call him husky? Because his head is disproportionately small to what he's done with his body. 
Know, and that, that's how I felt about three weeks ago before this diet started. Like, <laughs> like I know, you know, <laughs> like people, I know we, we, I know everybody loves to have the top players in the field and, and all this stuff. And, and that's obviously awesome, but they're like Sammy Valamaki's a good player. He won, like he's won multiple times on the DP world tour. So you don't win on, on, you know, what used to be, but it's probably the third best tour now behind live, you know, what used to be the best, second best tour in the world. You don't win on that tour multiple times without being a pretty good player. Uh, so he's good, but let's talk Jake Knapp. I mean, the guy was, was pretty good. Like he got third place at Torrey Pines, a championship level golf course. And he just won, you know, obviously a, a lesser event, but he still won. He still got to play well. Did you know, Jeff? That Mike is infatuated with very strong, muscularly built men because he <laughs> had a whole moment on the golf course this uh, this weekend where he was. T- I, I forget the artist. Which artist? Imagine, is Super Jack. Imagine Dragons. I'm telling you, he would not stop. I did just... not know. No, I said it one time, <laughs> and you guys kept bringing it up. I saw a TikTok with the lead singer from Imagine Dragons dancing. The dude's like jacked. He's like fucking jacked, like legit, like a power lifter. I said we that one time. I said that one time when the song came on and, and I'm never going to live that one down. I'm wondering what's on your lock screen on your phone now. <laughs> Imagine Dragons guy. <laughs> Imagine Dragons guy and, and nap once you're on the home screen. Well, let's talk about nap though. Like, okay, go ahead, Jeff. Talked about how he's, he's a good player and, and he's, playing really good but I think like the part of professional golf is I think there's so many good players that are on not on the PGA tour because they don't get hot at the right time like we don't know we don't realize that Jake Knapp was a professional golfer in 2016 I mean yeah 30 years old I mean he's been trying to be good for a long time what you know a guy gets a little bit I don't to say luck but just a little hot streak and all of a sudden life changes so it doesn't necessarily mean that but that's what's kind of weird. There's a lot of really good players out there that aren't even on the PGA Tour. I don't know if that has something to do with financial backing. I don't know if that's why he was being a bouncer, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like this professional golfing thing does come down to a lot of luck. You got to hit your stride at the right time to be able to make it, or you got to be dang resilient and be okay with failing for like five, six, seven years. It's give up. It's a lot of shades of Eric Cole, kind of. You know, Eric, Eric Cole's even older, but Jake Knapp's going to be 30 this year. He's not like some young 24 year old, you know, um, but he, you know, we'll see where it goes. He might never do anything again, but I, I just feel like watching him. He's got the staying power for one because he hits it a long way. Like he smokes it. Um, but then on su- on Sunday, he completely lost it off the tee. He hit two fairways only at this at this resort course. Um, huh? Relatable. Yeah, relatable. Hit two fairways, but he got up and down nine times for par. So his you know his short game he kept relatable. him in there. Um, but I mean, like think about this: last year on the Corn Ferry, he played twenty two events, made twenty cuts, and had ten top tens. That's hard to do on Corn Ferry where those guys go low all the time. So I, he's legit a good player, and I, I just. I love watching his golf swing. It's super long and flowing and smooth, and he just kills it. I mean, his cruising speed's 180 ball speeds. You know, he gets in the 190s when he wants to. God, that backswing was was days long. 
like it is remnants of John Daly almost as far back as that club got. And well, I think he's a really good athlete. I watched the video of him today. You know, he's 5'11", like 100 and somewhere between 160 and 180, depending on what website you look at. And he was uh, throwing down dunks and stuff. So, I mean, he's a really good athlete. And I think that helps. Athletes hit it farther probably, you know, just because Mike, they're you're, better athletes. You're a pretty good judge of rip dudes. What do you think he weighs? <laughs> I would say he's, yeah, I know. <laughs> I would say he's, <laughs> he's got to be more than 160. I mean, his arms alone, are he's pretty jacked. Yes, yeah. arms have to be thirty pounds each, forty pounds each. <laughs> Shirt off. He's not quite one hundred percent sure what you know how much he weighs. Well, I, I one website said one like eighty something, and one said one sixty. So we're going to go somewhere in the middle. I want to say with his swing, when I watch it, you know, because it doesn't look like he's swinging hard at all. But it's that whole leg theory, right? It's the you know, it's when it gets to the top, there's zero tension there. It's just, it's like. You know that hammer hammer thing where how you hit a hammer, you have to have the leg to hit the nail down to generate the power. Like that one, you can just tell he's so less. T- there's no tension at the top, just lets that thing free flow down. Um, but he does. I think he has to rely a lot on timing. I think he's gonna have to. I think he has to remind himself tempo. He has to remind himself not to get too fast, too quick. I think he's that kind of guy where he has to really focus on because he has so much in the tank and he can. You know, so I think he's a guy that might be one of those, you know, inconsistent players where he's just hot one week, doesn't have it the next week, hot again. You know, just a lot of timing that has to to match up, and that's why you saw Sunday a little struggle. He just probably a little quick, you know, nervous. What yeah. Saturday? I watched I I watched more of this golf tournament than I would even do. You know, you'd even believe because there was not, I was not doing anything else. But um, he went on Saturday to the little like stinger like the 270 like little knockdown driver he just he just bunted out there kind of like 270 hit the fairways all day but yeah he's a good player and he's sponsored by the mighty ducks how do you, you, go, away? How do you go away from that then on sunday i don't know maybe he tried it and he, he hit two fairways only he had a four-stroke lead you know and it ended up being tied for a while he shot even par on that resort course on Sunday. That's a good point, Jeff. I wonder what the thinking process was. If it's his corn fairy days where you just, you keep the hammer down. Cause you, you have to in the corn fairy, someone's coming from for you with only a four shot lead in, in the corn fairy tour. Yeah. I don't know Well, you guys were t- saying. Like he's really good athlete, right? Dunks the ball. I was just going to do three of these. We have the NFL uh, draft combine coming up, right? It's all about measurables. You know, the NFL teams, you know, Mike, you like to think you're kind of like a GM. You like you like to kind of see who you draft. Who do you think would be one of the top? If if we had these golfers go through, the, I'll just pick three. Three things in the combine. Who are some guys that you think through the ringer would, would test the best? So let's start with the, 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 the quickness, uh, speed, 40-yard dash. What golfer do you think? If you said you hit the gun, is gonna have one of the lowest scores, timing wise. Mm, who could be fast out there? You know, kind of maybe like a running back. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, hmm. it's hard because you don't see any of these guys ever run. I've, talk- I've got mine. I've got mine, and it's it's not anyone major, but he did come back to to good form last year, and that's Camille Vajegas because the biker. That's a He's a triathlete. He did triathlons for a long time too. So he's he's a runner and no it's not quite sprinting. But he's not getting injured out there. And I think 
he's got the right body style to to get the mile per hours up in a sprint. Reach race. I think he's a sit and reach guy. Well, that's he quit doing the spider, by the way. Um, wonderful interview with folks down at Casa de Campo and uh, Manuel Rolancio there actually worked quite a bit with uh, Vijegas and said he, he's gone away from reading the green spider style like he used to. So who else do we think is a fast guy? It's really hard. I think this is a, you got to take a stab at guys. You just got to say, I think this guy can get I could see, I could see Morikawa playing soccer growing up. And I think you need that speed playing soccer. Well, you need the quickness right off the, right off the the gun, right? It's only yards. You got to get out of the blocks fast. You're doing soccer too. I, I just, I don't see a lot of explosive guys right off the box. You know what I mean? No, I'm I'm going I'm going through the world golf rankings and I'm down to 140th and I still have, have yet to find anybody that I think would be fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean like Robert Streb? Is he going to get out of the gates fast? I don't think so. I uh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I, mean, I would think that Callum Terum's pretty fast. Like he's a fit guy. Like I feel like he could he could kind of find a gear. Yeah, probably. He's pretty fit. You know what he's not quick at? Returning my emails. okay i found i found a list jacksonville.com i don't know who came up with this um matt kuchar keegan bradley okay no way they're fast matt kuchar cannot be fast i would be i would be willing to bet that i who am not fast and i'm almost 42 years old and always older can beat matt kuchar in a 40-yard dash I, I suppose this would be this would be people at their peak performances. Still, I don't see Matt Kuchar. Their peak running. performances. <laughs> um, Hale Irwin, who I'm going to keep in my my pocket, because uh, he was quarterback uh, at Boulder, Colorado High School, and received a scholarship to University of Colorado. And then wow. there's Gary Woodland, who had both a basketball and and uh, golf scholarship. Gary Woodland, well, he went to Kansas to play basketball, like walk on. So back in the day, yeah. he's gotten pretty bigger now he's, as he's older. But Gary Woodland probably was pretty fast. Well, Jake was, as fast as it, you know, Naps probably fast. I'd be willing to bet not right now, but I bet you a few years back when he was skinner, dust, skinnier, Dustin Johnson could probably move a little bit. He, he always walked with a little swagger like he could run a little bit. There's some stories of him committing some crimes back in the day, <laughs> big time crimes. And you got to be pretty quick to evade the old police. So, yeah, I could see DJ going, going pretty quick. I could quick. see DJ, right? Now. He's a, he'd be a long strider. He wouldn't be your quick, you know, he's a long strider. That one is the hardest one. This will be one of the easier ones. All with the bench press. You got to bench press 225 pounds. Is oh, t- easy. I already Bryson got DeChambeau. my guy. No, Bryson DeChambeau. I got, I got my guy. Bryson's all manufactured power. Yeah, that's Box. what you want. No, no, no. Boxy man strength. Man got- strength. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. You can get stronger lifting weights. 100%. Genetics undefeated. They're not <laughs> there are there are people with just flat out man strength that look look at the NFL combine and you look at some of the linemen. Some of them are are, you know, ripped jack dudes that have manufactured some strength, but the guys who put up the most weight are just the big fucking ogres. They're just humongous human beings and they're just strong. Don't we start coaching high school kids and instilling values in them that they can work towards their dreams here in a couple of weeks? Of course weeks? they can. You can. You... It's all about your genetics. You <laughs> it's all about those genetics. No, I mean, you, you can. Obviously, you can get better, but 
you guys don't agree, your genetics are going to limit you. There's only, for instance, let's just look at uh, me, the largest guy in the pod, and Tim, the smallest guy in the pod. If if we if we took our exact same body types right now, and we both ate the same thing every day, we lifted the same thing every day. Who do you think is going to lift more? Yeah, you once you get back, I'm into I'm bigger. Shape. I'm just a I'm just a bigger human being. Like I'm not. Yeah, you are. You it's are. Just the way that's like how genetics are. So I think like when it comes to those combines and stuff, some of those dudes are just like they're just, they're just born strong. What arms you need? Short I'm arms gonna... do short arms do help for the bench. Yeah, especially at the combine. I mean, Scott Scallings, I got Gary Woodland. I think he can put up a lot. What about Ludwig? Uh, we call Ludwig. We call him wiry, strong, maybe. Yeah, he. I mean, he he certainly looks very fit on on TV. I he wasn't that big of a dude in person. Do you know who I think might be sneaky strong, just by looking at his forearms? Is Tyrrell Hatton? You ever see his forearms in that dude? Oh yeah. Like he's got super like when we were at the BMW, I was like, holy shit! Like he's got like Popeye forearms. It's wild. Yeah, he could have played rugby had he had he chosen to go a different way about his life. I bet Rory with that small little body can put up two twenty five quite a few oh, times. Yeah. Kepka can pump some iron, I'm sure. Oh yeah. All right, last one: vertical jump. Ooh. You know this is this is tricky. Sometimes you get really skinny guys <laughs> that. Like, Skinny guys that phenom maybe that you wouldn't think could jump and then they can jump out of the gym. That's a tough one. Galatoris. <laughs> Man, I mean, yeah, you talk about skinny. I would I would I think sneaky. It could be it could be Gary Woodland. Well, he's a little he's gone through some injuries now, but he, he has, but prime Gary Woodland playing D two basketball, walking on to Kansas. You can't simply try to do that without a little bit of ups. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, it'd just be so funny to actually have a real PGA Tour. Um, I could yeah. I could see Spieth being being sneaky vertical. No way. That guy's a sneaky guy, vertical. I don't know if that guy's got an athletic bone in his body. He's got he's got you know very good it, he's got very good hand eye coordination. He's a hell of a golfer, but I can do the least amount of ups right now that's that's phil mickelson in a heartbeat i mean his logo <laughs> his logo his master's logo jump he might have gotten an inch and a half off well the i find it I, I find it hard to believe that sammy velamaki can get up in there too much or bob mcintyre <laughs> well we all saw sergio want to see over the hill he got up in the air yeah sergio could jump god that's sure. vintage right there yeah that is vintage um yeah i don't know there's not there's not, yeah this isn't creating the spark i thought it was it's really hard to, these guys <laughs> them do anything but hit a golf shot so it's really like it's that's why it'd be kind of fun to see a little bit more behind the scenes of what these guys why don't the pga tour for fun put them through a little bit of a mini combine get some content rolling pga tour like get them get them like this couple you know you don't want to hurt them but like you know have them do the 40 yard dash unless you think they're going to tear their hamstrings you know it was impressive a couple years back i i, I want to say it was justin thomas was hitting homers out of a major league ballpark what JT? Yeah, hold on. Let me look this. Tim, you're making that up. I think Sam Burns might have a decent vertical. I bet you Burns is a good athlete. He's a big, strong guy. He could yeah. be a good athlete. Speaking of hitting home runs, that this is not about golf, but I saw this on TikTok too. A vintage clip of Tom Selleck just hammering a home run at at uh, Baltimore Field with a wood bat. Mister Baseball, Mister Baseball. 
it was like him, like a real it legit from home plate batting practice, smoked one. Doesn't dude? He's exactly who you're talking about. A guy that just looks like that. That's strong. I mean, yeah, super- he's just a big, big, and and length helps. Like, you know, if you ever, if you ever go like to an NBA game or you see some of those guys in person. They just have long levers, long arms, you know, big hands. Everything is like longer um, on a lot of those high level athletes. And it just, you know, that's they just run faster, jump higher, all that stuff. Yeah. Mike just knows so much about the male body. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> He's been studying a lot. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. anything else from, from Mexico? Yes. Well, the one thing, how <laughs> What they need to change Jake Knapp's clothing a bit. He's sponsored by the Anaheim Ducks. You see that? It's on his art sleeve. They should switch it out and put Emilio Estevez's face on there. The Mighty Ducks. We way better. Actually, way better. Like go the the Ducks logo is shitty. Get the get some, you know, knuckle puck or something on there. Make it cooler. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get Charlie Conway out there and make a Hell deal. Yeah. Yeah. Guy Guy Germain. <laughs> um I guess the big thing that that hit the news also this week is the fact, and you maybe saw the social media content today on it, which was kind of sweet. I mean, it was they didn't really say it, but but AK is coming back. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that they had the I same, saw it. You know, kind of they couldn't quite show him. They wanted to show a shadow. Um, here's the thing, and you guys can kind of share your take. Um, he's making it. I think it's Jetta this week, right? Jetta, yeah. So, if he's really bad and he just doesn't have that swagger, that inner mind we all think he once had, you know, that, that we imagine that he has, well, that kind of ruled, ruined the whole aura or mystique around him. Or if he tears it up, is that like his legendary aura or mystique going to just grow even more? I mean, we're, is he in kind of a situation where he can, I don't know. I don't know. He's in a tough spot is what I'm saying. You know, he hasn't anything to kind of live is exacerbating that too. I don't know if you saw the clip that they put out. It was the best advertising they have done thus far for any of the events. It It was wasn't it wasn't as cringy. It wasn't as cringy as some a lot of the others. Thank you. They are getting so much better over there. It was fantastic. (laughs) All with all with eventually the silhouette with the the bun of of Anthony Kim coming out of the hat with this moment of redemption and possibility and future and I am thrilled. This is going to be a great weekend to watch golf, watch uh, live golf, watch golf in general because Bay Hill too. Yeah, but... it'll be a good weekend on the PGA Tour. I think. Um, well, a couple of things. I'm assuming this must be a one off, like like a one week thing for now anyway because he's playing with no team he's playing unattached or whatever um so we don't know how, if he if he shoots a billion are they just going to say okay we did one thing uh, i think the other thing to that is it's a good event for them because it's probably it might be and i actually think the golf course is kind of cool but it might be their least watched event you know nobody there's no fans at it last year at least it was empty it's on you know with the time change and I mean, obviously it's going to be on youtube you'll be able to watch it or whatever but so it's a good it's a good way to stir the pot up for them a little bit. I just don't. I wonder what it'll be interesting if if they I don't know if they ever do this like with the demographics of fans because he's been away for so long. The only people that like you got to be mid thirties and older to really know who he was. Like nobody in their kids in their twenties 
have never seen that unless they've Googled it. They don't remember Anthony Kim and nobody. So it's more like guys like us and older that, that remember when Anthony Kim was great, which wasn't all the time. He was very hot and cold. Um, but so I wonder what the demographic will be like for their fans. You know, if they, if they pull in more, you know, more old heads that love the PGA tour, but they want to come watch Anthony Kim on YouTube or what, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's got the same bar that tiger has right now. You know, don't, don't finish, finish somewhere middle in the pack, get, get to a point where you're competitive. People expect you to be rusty. They just don't want to see you out there getting dead fucking last. They want to see you, you compete, justify while you're there. And then you've got, you've got the time to get better and and move up the leaderboard and you'll start to garter fans almost right away. Especially like you said, Mike, our age, we all, we all want to see the belt buckle back. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Cause he wore the belt. Can he keep up off the tee? Like, you know, has he actually been, you know, how much golf has he actually been playing? Is, you know, the game now is such a distance thing. Does he keep up? Does he use a track man? He was a guy that didn't know what his wedge went 105 or 125. Like, what kind of, does he, has he evolved in any way? Or is he just the guy that shows up at a range and just slings there, it on? There are significant rumors about AK continuing to play highly competitive gambling golf against tour pros and continually beating tour pros through his time where he was terminally injured from golf. So I think that it it doesn't quite raise the stakes to coming back to a full competitive tournament, but I think he has the skill set still if the rumors are true about him playing against the pros, making very large money games out of it and winning. Uh, that that he'll be in a decent enough place when he comes back uh, this this Friday. I would love to see him win the tournament, just drop the mic and walk away forever. forever. And like Skywalker and Jetta, he just poof, his cloak just disappears. You know, just his body leaves and his cloak just falls to the sand. I I wonder because he was Nike. He was a Nike athlete. Uh, Tiger Tiger Woods leaving Nike. I wonder, do they? Does he still retain? any any nike clothing at this point what do you think anthony kim shows up in well i wonder if they'll give him some live stuff with just the non just with the live logo or something i don't because he's a free agent right now isn't he i would assume so what does live want out of this like if he's let's just say it's the dream scenario he shows up and wins which isn't isn't going to happen but i don't is that good for live You've just paid John Rahm a billion dollars, and here a guy that hasn't played competitive golf in like 15 years wins before John Rahm. And like, I think for them, the perfect spot is what Tim said is he's somewhere middle ish bottom, shows he can compete a little bit. But you don't, I, I think for, for, for a tour that's, you know, trying to claim that they're, they're, they have better players than the PGA Tour and, and they deserve all these world ranking points. I think it's a bad, a bad look, actually, in a way, if Anthony Kim just shows up off the street and like competes and gets like a top ten. Well, um, it, the PGA Tour has three three rookies win this year. Yeah, but they've been playing like a lot of competitive golf all the time. You know, they've been like Anthony Kim has not played a tournament since how what ten twelve years ago. I mean, it's a long time. Um, so I think the sweet spot for them is like he plays well enough to come back. You know. You, if he goes out there and shoots, you know, 78s or something, people are going to stop watching after one event. They're not they're like, okay, well, he doesn't have a game anymore. They just need him to they need him to be 
somewhat competitive would be the sweet spot for them. I think enough to draw people's interest for another, have them come out there to the next one. This is, this is a sponsor exemption thing. Like this is, this is the get the guy to get the eyes on. Yes. You would normally get, this is the Steph Curry playing on the PGA tour corn theory. This is, that's what this is. And I will be honest. Like I actually, I don't watch live at all. Really. I just never don't even know how to turn it on my TV or my computer. So I don't, I don't, I'm just a lazy guy when it comes to that, like even trying to track down live where to find it when it's even on. But I can tell you this, I might have eyeballs on it this week. And I want to yeah, see well, it. Jeff, I can, I can tell you, you download the live app and you go right on it. You can cast directly to your TV. You can watch the broadcast at any time in its full recording. You can bring it up whenever you want. There's no commercials. It is all golf. It is the best viewing experience you can get right now it's fantastic well um, well when it's on youtube i mean the tv version on cw has to have some commercials i'm assuming they stop it, and do i it. would assume that does but the live app itself operates yeah, uh, yeah they, independently I, of both and is is excellent they do a good job they do a good job with like the graphics and stuff it's a it's 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 it's, it's, it's that part's good about it for sure well we'll see i don't know if we need to make a prediction how many guys are playing in the field this week 56 well, oh, I haven't even looked. Yeah, it's well that Kim's playing as a individual. He's not on any of the teams. Let's say there's 57. Do you think over, over under 49 and a half? Hmm. I would still say he's going to do worse than that. Okay, Tim, do you think over under 49th and a half place? I uh, I want every part of me is going to say better than I would love it if he does, but I just I, I just I want it I want it so bad to see to see him go out there and and you know prove prove folks wrong and and show that he belongs and and get to see him time in and and time out, especially that personality, especially with Liv doing a lot more of the microphone work. I think he's just he's such, he's going to be such a good fit if he can live up to to kind of a medium bar. I mean, he's thirty. What is he? Thirty six years old. Thirty eight. He might be thirty-eight. I, he's I, thirty-eight years old. He hasn't played. He's not. He hasn't played for a long time in an actual tournament. So it'd be, I would be amazed if he finishes in the top two-thirds. He kind of always reminded me of like Ricky Fowler. Like they can just go out and make like six birdies, and then they'll just have like a stupid triple or something. You know that kind of a golfer, just high ceiling. You know, low floor. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, as we. We talk a lot of professional golf stuff, so let's you know let's maybe segue to we've taken a couple trips here. And Tim, you went uh, maybe tell us where you went uh, recently. You were out for a wedding, and you got a chance to play on some really cool golf courses. Well, I was going to start this with a paragraph from a book, and it starts as such: As I made my way across the rocky terrain on the desolate southeastern coastline of the Dominican Republic in 1969, I was certain that my Motor trip was just another wild goose chase. Attempting to find a suitable site for golf had proven difficult. And although I had traveled much of the Dominican, I had not yet found the land that excited me. That's from Pete Dye, who went on to find that land and create Teeth of the Dog at Casa de Campo Resort. Uh, I spent not this previous weekend, but the, the one before. Um, leading into to early last week in the Dominican Republic, playing both Teeth of the Dog at Casa de Campo Resort 
and Corrales at the Punta Cana Resort, uh, where they have the PGA Tour stop. And I have to say, both courses were absolutely wonderful. Uh, the whole designs at Teeth of the Dog, especially the ones alongside the water, were something very special that I will likely not have the opportunity to see again in my lifetime. Uh, there's there's very few holes in golf. Uh, obviously, there's there's seaside holes, places like Pebble, Spyglass. Um, those in, in the Hamptons all have that. There are very few holes that go directly into the ocean where you're, you're physically sprayed with the waves crashing onto the coral next to you. And it was a, a very unique and surreal feeling um, having those waves, having that sea mist hit you as you're, you're teeing off or you're putting in a place. Um, the uh, Also, the resort itself, wonderful. I can't say enough good things about Casa de Campo. Um, I had the chance to sit down with Giles Gangon, who is the, the director of sales and, and golf marketing over there. And then uh, the director of golf head pro, Manuel Relencia there, who I have to say, I being from being from Iowa, not not coming from all too much to be treated with that level of hospitality is almost a bit awkward for me. It was uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Right this way. What can I get for you? Are you sure? I'm like, I just 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 the water is fine. I just need to set up a microphone over here. Like we can't get you anything else. We've got food. It's complimentary. It's it's on us. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um the hospitality was absolutely exceptional and the the golf course very much matched that. And then Corrales was excellent as well. I thought Corrales is the most one of the most playable and fun golf courses I've actually been on. The fairways are super wide. Uh, the rough is not grown out right now, so it's very, very playable. Um, it's a Tom Fazio design. And uh, there's only a few holes along the sea, uh, but it does give way to some some beautiful views. And the tee box options there are so diverse that you can be all the way back at 7,600 yards or all the way up at uh, right around 5,200 yards. Um so it's it's very playable, very wide, and it could be played anyone from a, a plus eight handicap on tour and prove difficult for them because of the yardage uh, to be to be in something very fun for a 25 handicapper from the correct tees. Um, meanwhile, teeth of the dog a little bit more. Hold on for your life, especially on the seaside holes where water came into play on every single one of them. And I think I donated one, two, three, three golf balls to the ocean during that round. Unfortunately, one was on purpose. One was on purpose. There's, there's a small Island out in the middle of the ocean waves crashing upon it, not associated with the golf ball. And some genius put a pin out there just for me. Cause they know that I'm a sucker and I'll try to hit it. Were you short? I was left. And the wind was, by the time, by the time we got through the first seaside hole, it was blowing 20 miles an hour. The drone was having some issues fighting the wind. Um, so I was trying to, you know, trying to put a little draw spin on, on some shots to, to fight into it a little bit. And that one was another, another draw that kind of got gobbled up by it. Cause we all know the, the fadey ball doesn't work very well. Did I, Tim, did I see that? Did Di, did Di get buried out there? 
He did his, uh, and I'll have a piece coming out on this in a, a little while, um, on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, a couple shorts on our channel as well on on our Instagram page. But he's actually buried on hole number eight. Uh, he came back to have a a place in the Casa de Campo Resort, um, and actually spent time there with Kohler, who he would go on to to build golf courses for in Wisconsin. So had a very deep relationship with Kohler. They spent a considerable amount of time at Teeth of the Dog, where he did a lot of tinkering, and eventually was buried very close to number eight green, where there's a plaque there today. How windy was it? It gets it gets windy down there sometimes. Yeah, the the weird part was when you're in when you're inland, you don't really feel it, and there's enough tree coverage that the wind isn't affecting it too much. Um once you're on the sea, it was 20, 25 miles an hour. It was, it was trying to play a shot into the wind or trying to play something low, which again is difficult because Mike, as you said, uh, before we, we hit record, uh, Pete Dye loves to make cape holes out of water. Uh, most of the par fours that were alongside the water were all different versions of cape holes. So you want to keep it low, but you've got a lot of stuff to fly. Well, would you so what about trap like i don't know much about the dominican republic mm-hmm. was ground easy so i probably did what you're not supposed to do typical gringo i i went down got all of my luggage which is always considerable considering it's a golf trip and there's shuttles to and from the resorts that you're staying at uh you you call and set up your transportation before you even arrive through the resort or you can do different car services, set that up through the resort. There's Uber available as well. I walked out of the front of the airport. A gentleman approached me, said he was a taxi cab driver, and I got into his vehicle. And I didn't die. <laughs> uh, and then we, as we were going to the resort, we negotiated our price to take me from my resort down to Teeth of the Dog, back to my resort, to Corrales and to the airport. And uh, so just just bring cash with you. Cash, the American dollar is king. Um, just make sure that that what you have is a reputable, a decently reputable taxi driver. Or you can do what I did and and get lucky and not get buried next to Pete Dye. Um, the other big thing, because your cell phone is going to have intermittent service, all of the all of the taxi cabs have Wi-Fi, and everyone uses WhatsApp to communicate it circumvents cell phone plans. So a lot of, all of my communication once I was in the Dominican Republic was done on Wi-Fi or very limited roaming services. Um, and every single communication was done through, through WhatsApp when I was there. So just have those things ready, ready to go or figured out and you'll be fine or buried somewhere. But that, that didn't happen to me. And I was very fortunate to find Ernesto an, an excellent driver. Well, they've had some, you know, YouTube recent videos on the teeth of the dog I've seen recently. Like, I think the good, good foreplay was out there. Uh, what else did I see? Well, your content's going to be out there, Tim, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, foreplay and and good, good, they were out there. And, and Costa de Campo actually has two more courses. I didn't have the privilege of playing just because of time constraints. Uh, they have both the um what is it the the pete die four course 
uh, and then the Lynx course. So two very different golf courses. The the Lynx is, as it may allude to, a bit more open, a little flatter. And the the third course is up on on hillsides and and overlooks a bit of a, a causeway. So three very distinct courses on on property there. Okay. Well, anything else from your your trip you want to touch on? I would, if you're thinking about going, spend a little bit of extra money, lengthen it out a couple of days because there's two Nicholas courses down there that look particularly good. Uh, they're both on the Punta Cana side. It is very quickly becoming a golf destination. So I would, I would anticipate here in, in a few years, the number of, the number of resorts is only going to increase as their, as their GDP turns even more tourism centric and the golf will continue to expand. So as of right now, with the two Nicholas's included Corrales and the three courses at Casa de Campo, um, that's six total golf rounds without having to find anything else to plan, to plan during your trip. And the beaches are beautiful. The drinks are unlimited. Um, there's horseback riding, there's, there's uh, skeet shooting all available at the resort. So there's a host of other activities you can do as well. Um, so if you're, you're looking for one of the best places to go during the cold months, because they are unaffected by our United States weather climates, uh, the Dominican Republic is probably one of the, if not the best golf destination in the Caribbean. Well, it sounds like you better bring your A game. If you're playing Jack Nicklaus courses and you're playing a Pete Dye course, you better be dialed. And there's 2,500 wins. That, that sounds like a lot of 95s for me. It was it was a rough round out there. Yeah, I went 86 at at, at Teeth of the Dog and and 79 at Corrales. So, oh stop! Oh stop it, Jeff! Jeff posted on Instagram over under 88.5, and I quickly <laughs> replied to him and I said, "Come on, 88. You didn't even five from 6,500 yards. Bogey golf <laughs> from 6,500 yards. We saw your yardage. I think I freaked out on uh." Pete Dialo, but yeah, so I went to Palm Springs. Uh, it started with just a quick story of the airport. Like I, I flew in Thursday night and I was flying. I, you know, when you get to the Palm Springs airport, it's really small. It's like a smaller one with, you actually just, you, you get off and you walk down to the, to the level outside, you know, you just get off your plane, you walk down the stairs. I went to the bathroom. I came out and on the intercom, they go, they didn't tell us why, but they'd said, everybody needs to basically exit the airport. I'm just like, what? So all these people start coming out of the airport, um, and I couldn't hear. Well, apparently somebody like breached security. Somebody ran through security, and they they didn't. You know, they, finally I found out they apprehended him. But like we had every single person at the airport trying to get back into the airport. It was an absolute disaster. I had to wait for an hour and a half just to get my bag. You know, it was just a mess. So that's how I I just feel like I'm cursed. On the way back, I had flight delay, so I got home at like 3 a.m. last night. Um, so my flight wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal, this situation. And, you know, Tim, I know you're going to comment cause it was sun country or whatever. I didn't fly, you know, my private jet out there, you know, well, but... there's not a lot of flights to Palm Springs. I don't think Delta's flying in and out of Palm Springs very often. You have Delta, but it just didn't match our times very well that I needed. So, um, well, opposite of Tim, 
if you've never been to Palm Springs and you know, it kind of is like that Arizona feel, you know, really good public golf. I mean, really good golf. The one difference is that I feel like it, it just, it's like a, playing in a golf dome. You just, these, these big mountains just keep out all this weather and you don't get like, I played with like a one club wind one day and I don't think there was a breath of wind the second day and it was like 75. It was like, you can't even draw up a better day to play golf. Um, so, and then that's what it was like every single day. So at some point that turns into 115 degrees, you know, instead of the, eight, the 75 or high seventies, but you can find some tremendous golf on Palm Springs. I saw a lot of people bringing out golf clubs. Uh, it's a, it's a destination where you could find a, even flying in over the top. I just saw a golf course after a golf course after a golf course. And Palm Springs is just this flat piece of land, which is protected by the mountains. So that's basically what it is. It's a desert. It's in the middle of kind of nowhere. Um, that's my dream for America. Corlett yeah. 20, 2024. <laughs> no Everywhere wind in all was... golf courses. <laughs> no, no wind all golf courses. The Truman Show is the giant dome. <laughs> yeah. Truman Show. And actually the cool thing about this year, last time I was out there, it was like November. I didn't see any snow. There was snow on the mountains this year. So you had the, the snow peaked at the top, you know, kind of a thing going on. So it was really pretty. Um, I missed out on the dormant grasses. I think that's kind of a cool look with the contrast of green and brown. That well, they, were, they were greening up already? They started to green up. Yep. So, so I was talking to Steve, the guy that kind of hosted me at the stadium. Um, and he said, it's really a cool scene when you're here, you know, live seeing that, but he goes at some, right, right when that tournament's over, they kind of let it green up again. Um, so I missed out on that. I, I really, really like the, the rough, you know, when I play like Florida, I get a lot of hard panty shots when I'm off the green, you know, you got a putt from like 30 yards off. It feels like, or you got a, you know, really hard panty. Like this has got that nice flush green grass that doesn't sit down and it kind of sits up a little bit. So you get a lot of opportunities to get up and down, uh, at least at the course that wasn't Pete Dye. Pete Dye obviously doesn't like you getting up and down. So, but the other one that I was at, uh, I just felt really comfy missing a green. I think a lot of them are designed like that. They got that really thick, nice, shorter grass that you can chip out of. The greens which, I- uh, Which courses did you play when you were there? So I played Eagle Falls. It's right next. There's a casino called Fantasy Springs. And the clubhouse is not fancy whatsoever. They had all these pictures of all the guys that have played there, like Strahan, LT, LaDainian Tomlinson, these guys that have all kind of come out there and played. But it's not a fancy clubhouse, but it's a really nice golf course. Like I, it, The value was like $130 or something like that. And then the replay rate, we played 27 holes. It was Great value, uh, great condition. The greens were nice. Uh, oh, that's it, the one with that waterfall you sent us. Yes, that was the one with the waterfall. Oh, you love some good infrastructure. Are there any you, holes? Is there any holes where you can see the casino from? That makes that's peak casino uh, golf right there. Yeah, you actually maybe in some of my pictures that you could see the big building. That was the Fantasy Springs. So, um, getting to the diet stadium course and just the the before that even the PGA West thing is like it's it's just a cool thing like you. You drive in and to your right, you've got like the Palmer residence. You know, it's like, it's like broken off and here's where the, uh, the wise cop, whatever, like area and all these, and you just kind of live in there. And then you get access. If you're a member to all these courses, there's like nine championship courses and you get access to all of them. In fact, Steve's like, you know, basically he gets to play any of them. And there's a couple of member block offs for certain courses, which you can imagine, but he said, 
we could have replayed rate for nothing. Absolutely free. The guest fee was 140. And then we could have played another 36 at any of the courses. Sorry, another 18. Any of the courses for free. And I looked at it like, you got to be kidding me. It's like, nope, that's this. So I don't know how they pull that off and how that works, but that is a deal that if you have a, a guy that you know out there, you can rip a 36er in a day. My goodness. Take advantage. I really wish we maybe, could. Maybe that's the true Pete Dye special right there because French Lick, you can get out and play another 18 for free. Really? Well, they're not all Pete Dyes. I mean, that's they're all sorts of. I I didn't really look in. I I wanted to play. That's the true. There's there's a Palmer. There's a Nicholas. There's another Die. Yeah, they're all sorts of them. I, and I, I think that I, I hear the mountain course is kind of a cool one because you're right up against the mountains. They're like mountain goats will come out on your green and stuff. And you know, we weren't we weren't as close, but um, well, yeah, you know, I I played the stadium course. So as you guys know, it's. You know, it's the one that's at the Amex. You know, American Express is is there. Um, you know, I think I kind of got in my head a little bit early. Just, you know, what's Pete Dye going to do here? You know, he's going to put this bunker there. And, and really, I didn't ever – Pete Dye didn't get in my head at all, like, after I started, other than around the greens. That was the only time I, I hit numerous fairways. I missed all of his crazy fairway bunkers. I will say, like, he loves to put – just absolutely dead on one side. So water, like if you go, you're done. You're going to probably double. And then the other side, you'll put like a steep bunker that you don't want to be in. But it's not like huge. You know, it's like, it's not like you, that's your only place you're going to go if you bail out. You can miss it. But if you go in there, it's going to be a penalty, right? You're not going to be able to hit much yardage out of there. So I noticed that a lot with him. I'm a big rail, railroad ties guy. I think it's a kind of a cool, unique look. So if you think of, you know, 17 at Sawgrass, he did yeah, that. It's pretty, it's pretty much just the modern sod stacking. Yeah. I, you know, I, you guys know more about this stuff than I do, but I really loved hole nine. He like, he would like stack the railway ties, like in the back, like, as you come in, you could see a, a railroad tie and then another level above. This is behind the green. So I don't even know if it's people are going, even going in there. I mean, Jimmy, it's the, it's the lazy version of sod stacking. You know, that's the, that's the classic, uh, you know, Scottish way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pete Dye didn't have all those bodies sitting around from the, you know, the plague to to stack around St. Andrews to build up all the, well, all the saying, areas. Just saying. Well, I'll get to my lazy Pete Dye argument in a second here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike's Did, gonna, uh, on his Pete Dye, but I, I just want to, you know, the thing that everybody knows and remembers is the two holes of actually three holes probably was the uh, the 16th. You know how deep that bunker is. I wouldn't drop the ball down there. Ooh, let's hear. Let's hear it. Basically, bladed the shit out of it. I mean, <laughs> we got it high enough, so it's just I just caught too much ball. Um, but you can't. I mean, you can't believe when you go down there how high that thing is. You can't. It's all feel like you. You got to kind of visualize it and just go down there, and you you will have zero clue or idea where your ball's after you hit it. I mean, it's just. It's all just putting a picture in your head and pretending because there's no way to know. Um, I, I couldn't believe how steep that was. Uh, and then, and then our Alcatraz obviously was the one that I've been gearing up for in my basement, you know, getting ready for the Alcatraz shot. I thought I was going to blow it cause I kind of got so hyped about it. Just a smooth nine iron middle of the green. Um, absolutely power blasted my birdie putt past like 10 feet cause I wanted the birdie, but just nails coming back just dead center of the cup. So I did par Alcatraz. My buddy Kyle 
did the whole rocks thing onto the green, which was kind of cool. Um, hit the rocks and then got a good hop, a hop from there. So isn't isn't golf hard enough to not think so much about all the stuff you're gonna do and and you everything? Know, <laughs> and what you guys are probably gonna ask me is, I had this swing thought. I I was struggling. I was you guys saw my stories. I was losing to an 80 year old my first nine. Like he was dominating. Well, not me. My first nine holes. I got a couple pars, but he was 80 and probably the best in shape 80 I've ever seen. I mean, he was just like Gary Player in shape. What? Like Gary Player in shape? Just like kind of like bigger, just stronger, and just like flexible, and like so the guy told me he was 80. I thought he was 65. I couldn't believe he was 80. So when I say 80, I'm not thinking of this old frail guy. I mean, he was. And he was he was playing like he was a three. And then the guy that played, I was like, dude, is he like a? He's he says he's more like a ten. I'm like, he's not playing like a ten. Well, then as he got worn down a little bit, he started to play like a ten. Um, and so that was kind of fun in itself too. But but I had this swing thought that I found, and it was I don't know if I want to even share it because it's just it's one of those things that like, if it doesn't work, it's going to be you know just just write it write it in the journal. Jeff's journal, volume one. Here we go. I was just, you know, letting the shoulders and the chest take the club back, which, you know, that's an initial swing. Let's get my club started, you know, make sure my, my hands don't rip it back. My, But as I was coming through, I just thought about chasing my club right down the line I was looking. Just I just wanted to – I kept saying chase it, baby, just chase it. And I would just chase it. I could just let the driver rip. It, I think it allowed me to not come out of my posture, as we always know, that I like to come out of the box. But by me just kind of chasing it down that line, I hit probably some of the best driver rounds I've had in a long time. Like, is that what stay in the box meant? I had no idea what you were talking about when it was stay in the box for sounds two like, weeks. Sounds like Larry David. Vertical drop, horizontal tug. <laughs> I'm curvy enthusiasm the last couple of weeks. been great. I just, you know, I just chased it and I started doing it with all my clubs and I just, I stood, I stayed down through the ball so nicely that I never had any crazy wild pulls or wild slices. It was very controlled. And I ended up shooting a 77 and 78, even with, with um, kind of the classic Jeff, you get one double, it leads to another one just cause your head case. But once I kind of got back on track, I, I think at the the stadium course, I I didn't lose a single ball until eighteen. You know, and that's hard. What to have do. we done? What have we done, Mike? We bought him those journals, and now he's going and doing this. Created a monster. Here's what happens, Timmy. Here's what happens. Overthinking always gets you in the end. It always gets you in the end. Well, I can say that I stepped up and just you know put it right at. I mean, it's right at the flag, just a little short at at you know at uh, at Alcatraz. So I mean, I didn't think too much about it. I just got in a good mindset and chased it down the line and right at the flag. So I'm hoping I'm feeling really good about my game and I I'm excited to kind of keep this swing thought going and see how long it takes me. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll lead to some good golf this year. I must've missed uh, your commitment Saturday when we're playing outdoors. Oh, coming up this weekend. Yeah. Oh, me. Yeah. I, I got uh yeah, I'm not playing, playing this weekend. Oh, big, Big talk, no, well, no show I, up, no fortitude. Yeah, I think I got a bunch of soccer games, and my wife had my kids all weekend, and I'm, I need to be, a, I need to be a good dad this weekend. I, I, here's the other thing that you guys would have really appreciated. I didn't think much about the consequences of my Saturday night wedding, so I had a kind of a tough Sunday morning. I, mean, I had to really get myself back. I, I didn't, uh, 
I didn't hold back on the uh, the free cocktails that say Saturday night. So, um, and then I did. I played a little pickleball on Sunday. Got you know I had to get the I had to get the body moving because I just was not feeling good. So, got a little pickleball in here in uh, in California. So that was fun. Well, uh, when you guys were both playing Pete Dye courses, I guess the only thing I've played is Tanner's Brook, but um, that's not a Pete Dye course. Um, I had an epiphany in my head here that Pete Dye, as great of an architect as he is, one of the all-time greats, kind of lazy, kind of a lazy-ass designer. Sawgrass, 17, Island Green. PGA West, 17, Island Green. Sawgrass, 18, Finishing Hole, Cape Hole. PGA West, Finishing Hole, Cape Hole. Neither of them are, neither the, they're only about 20 yards difference, all of them. Then I, so then I dug deeper into this. Crooked Stick, hosted a major, 17, par 3, 18, Cape Hole. Black Wolf Run, 17, par 3, 18, kind of a Cape Hole. Harbor Town, 17, par 3, 18, a modified Cape Hole. Um, you could even say, you know, so for those of you listening at Cape Hole, just think Pebble Beach, 18. You know, you got to hit it over the wall. Usually, originally over water, probably, you know, Macrihanish might be the original, you know, but not always over water. Even French Lick, 18, uh, kind of a capish hole over like some chasm or something, right, Tim? A yeah, little bit. It's, it's a it's a par five. You really gotta you gotta get it down there a long ways for it to so, be a a possible carry. But yeah, there's a a big grass. I don't even know what you'd call it. A giant hole in the ground, pretty much. It, so it goes down a hundred and some feet and back up a hundred and some feet. But yeah, yeah, somewhat. So then I then I did some digging. Tom, I found a quote from Tom Doak, who worked for Pete Dye before he became his owner. And it says, half the half the holes Pete Dye ever designed with water are cape holes. And I started thinking, that's not that creative. Like you, you, have got, you all, forgot TPC Louisiana too. Yes, cape hole. Like you have all of the benefits of modern design. And they're giving this guy just free reign with bulldozers and all kinds of shit to design whatever he wants. You know, back in the old days with the original famous architects, they didn't have that. So they used templates that fit the land kind of a lot of times. Um, but he designs. Now, I think you, Tim, read an article off air here that, you know, I think he's definitely got a fetish for par 317s. I, like, there's I, a I ton can, of I them. can bring some stuff up out yeah. of the book again. Um, but, like, this is it's like a very weird pattern where like 17 and 18 are like the same damn hole. Not always. He's got other courses too, but a lot of his like championship level where they play professional golf, it's like the same, same two finishing holes over and over and over. I'm like, that's not the mark of a great designer well, that's... In, mo in modern times, olden days, they had templates. They used them all the time. They kind of were restricted, but like, that was the get problem it. though. That was, trying that to have was the it. problem. He's trying to have his signature stuff, and I, I understand it, but, like, they're almost – P.J. West and, and Sagres, they're, like, they're damn near identical. It's All almost right, the I'll, same finishing. I will read this. This is about P.J. West. Due to the incredible popularity of the 17th Island Green at the stadium course at TPC, Sawgrass, Ernie Valsler, Joe Walser, and Dean Beeman, P.J. Tour – Yep, Dean, Dean Beeman, Beeman, 
asked me to build a similar hole for PJ West. So he didn't have his mindset on it. I was not crazy about the idea since I felt that TPC Sawgrass 17 should retain its precedent and be the only one in existence. Of course, other architects have copied that concept, but I was afraid of that. If I built another Island Green, both holes would end up losing their uniqueness. So he's getting, he kind of got pigeonholed by the tour after he built Sawgrass, he this, this, this very much standout player beater of the day, um, to go and replicate what he had done there. And I, I he just got kind of stuck. It, he did. The, but the demands of the tour were, were that he do something similar. Which adds to my argument then. The hole he's most famous for, the best known hole he's ever created that the PGA Tour wanted to replicate, wasn't even his idea. His wife came up with the idea. This great architect didn't even come up with his most famous hole. What the hell? What are we? What is going on? She was she was very involved with every every course design. Uh, maybe not as early. No, even as early early ones. She was she was maybe arguably the better golfer of the two as well. His earlier be- courses are better. Like. They are. There's more of a mix. Before he started trying to trick things out for PGA Tour players, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. No doubt. And and again, it's it's one of two or both things, right? Either he found a, a concept that he wanted to continue, or he was kind of pushed into it by the tour that identified him as the best course builder to, to have these tour events on moving forward. Uh, yeah. But either way, his earlier stuff and then his very, very late stuff have a little bit of uniqueness to it that the in-between um the, the let's call it the sawgrass era uh kind of all looked similar because oh. teeth of the dog doesn't look much like anything especially on the ocean holes there's a a few par a par five that looks a lot like tpc louisiana there's a couple that kind of if you squint they'll resemble some stuff um but nothing like his his 90s like his, his 90s works that were all the, the TPC and, courses. And granted, there's only so much you can do. You know, you got to use, you know, like it, they all use Redans and they all use all these templates to, in some way, shape, or form. There's only so many things you can do. But like, for instance, Jeff's talking about the deep bunker on the left side of whatever hole that is. Uh, Whistling Straits has the exact same thing. That one bunker, you were down in it, I think, when we played there. It was a good time. That, it that wasn't, one it, bunker that's not is quite ex- the same. It's so that's, deep. That's, so deep on the left side, left side, it's basically making a cape hole out of a giant bunker. Kind of that. It, it's it's also the only way that he could have elevated that that group of land because he he had to cut into that pad so deep to create that hole next to the the lake. We could do whatever uh, he wanted there. They gave him court well, blocks yeah, to move whatever, yeah. move whatever land you want. Right, but he wouldn't have brought it all the way down to the lakeside. So that that giant drop off was going to exist there regardless. Um, it could have been thirty feet higher in the air had he not moved so much land out of there. So I I would say that the sixteenth um, the sixteenth bunker at PJ West is is fairly unique and very memorable. Yeah, I don't know. I just think like when you when you really dig into it, it's quite kind of interesting. It's a lot of similar finishing holes. A lot to, to some extent. Some of the par threes aren't like Sawgrass and PJ West are super unique because they're islands. The other the other ones like are a little longer and different difficult, but 
they finish the same way. It's the same finisher on like a bunch of his championship level golf courses. And, and I agree with Mike on that. I mean, he does a lot of things similar. There was some really, you know, there's just things that like a lot of good courses have, like you just can't go there. Like, it's just, if you go there, you are going to bogey. And I think the guys at the American express, they're so good at knowing and avoiding those things. Like, you know, there's a hole called the moat and it's like, three ways quarters around is just like a severe, another deep bunker that you just don't want to be in. Right. They're just not going to go in there a lot. You know, there's a couple other holes. I remember thinking, you know, if you go actually, um, Steve, the guy that hosted us told us this par three is the, is the most over par scoring hole of, um, of, of the tournament, which I thought it was, you know, interesting. It's probably like for them, like a two hundreds for us, it was like, I think I had a six iron, something like that, but it was not a very big green and left is dead, all water, but right, like he has all this shaved off stuff. And basically if you go down there, hard, tough up and down. Now I was lucky. I was just short right at the flag. I could get up and down from there. Kyle, who had a I thought it was a really good shot. My buddy goes to a little bit to the right. He's got to now figure out, he tried to chip it. I think he should have putted it, but it's not, it's like a really difficult up and down. And that's what Steve said. It's like, they know they can't go left. They Right is you're not going to make double, but it's going to be really hard par. So he puts you in those tight binds, and uh, and there's well, and you're short, and I was fine. You know, I could easily get up and down, and I was a good spot. But but I think that's why those guys just tear it up now. They just they just they well, can so, yeah. make stairways, and they just know how to get up and down every once in a while, and probably are just so good that even when they do go on those things, they find a way to make pars. Well. And I, I would, I like to think, you know, Pete Dye has been dead now for a while, but I like to think that if he was alive, he would be somewhat pissed about what's happened to his golf courses. Cause the two regulars are PGA West and Sawgrass and no, they just, the pro, huh? Don't or no. Harbor town. Yeah. Harbor. But that's kind of a quasi Pete Dye. It's like not a full Pete Dye. It's but a, like did Nicholas die. Yeah. But they just, you know, the pros just eat PGA West alive. They just annihilate that place. And even Sawgrass, if Sawgrass doesn't get the wind because the PGA Tour loves to keep everything so green and lush, they have to put so much water on that damn thing. You know, we saw like when Hoagie shot the course records, if it's not windy, those guys, you know, like Pete Dye's a big visual intimidating guy. You look, but they know, they know that they just hit it. You know, they know where not to hit it. And they just light that place up too. If there's no wind, like I, like, I feel like if he was alive, he'd be like, make this firm and fast, like make this challenging. See, that was his deal. Well, with with the ball rollback coming, too, yeah, it might, Pete that might Dye, make a difference. Pete Dye did anticipate technology as well as as his career furthered. He continued to lengthen his golf courses as he went until eventually you end up with a eighty two hundred yard French lick. But yeah. he had that anticipation. I don't think he anticipated quite the technology movement that we've had, and I think that's what we see a lot of now at a Sawgrass, where the players initially complain. They said, "This is too damn hard. What are you doing to us? We look like amateurs out here." Plus, again, it, it wasn't Augustified like it is now. It was craggy and 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 had, you know, tougher tougher waste bunkering. But I, with a, a possible golf, well, with the golf rollback, golf ball rollback coming out, I think we're going to see some new life brought back to these these tough Pete die courses that really before the technology advanced took, took some souls from, from some pro golfers out there. So we got it. We better play all these Pete dies before they roll back that golf ball is what I'm saying. We got, we got a few years left 
to go shoot because it's all downhill from there. The guy that checked me in said they took out a ton of trees. Like they, like they've, they've made the golf course easier. They just have. And part of the reason why, why is it? Well, you guys know it's a, it's a, um, so pro- soft tour pros. It's a pro. Well, it's a retirement. It's a retirement community, and got people yeah. don't want to, you know. And I think it's just like, it's like Minnesota. Well, it's like anywhere. We play. We played Tanner's Brook yesterday. The hole that was back in the trees that doesn't get any sun. It, you know, it either doesn't grow well or it was still frozen yesterday. But like. They're just not good for for grass. It just you you can't you can't grow enough grass properly with a lot of trees. Yeah. So I don't know. I still think it was hard, but if I'm shooting even par on the backside, I, I think part of it was it's not the firm as they play it. I I, I had a couple that would you maybe saw my shot like because I it was money. I thought I was gonna go in, it just kept going. I don't know how it didn't stop. That was the only experience I had that with super firmness. But typically it was like not when they played. I remember them hitting Alcatraz and the ball taking a huge hop and then landing where this one is just, you know, hits and rolls out three feet and it's done. So they have that challenge too of of playing a more firm, firm greens, which I couldn't imagine what that would be like. But um, so anyways, enough about that. Uh, you know, we got uh, Bay Hill coming up. We got Jetta coming up for for some events. Anything to touch on those before we kind of share some some news about the pod? Anything? I oh really... man, I go ahead, Tim. I would still, I would still love to go back and get the cashmere sweater that they give away <laughs> for for the Bay Hill tournament. Unfortunately, it costs eight hundred dollars. What? Yeah, yeah, it's a cat. the The cashmere sweater that they give away it's available in the pro shop for eight hundred. It's probably more now with inflation. It's probably a nine hundred and thirty five and ninety nine cent sweater. But yeah, I, I it, it was a couple couple glasses of wine at at their their dining establishment. There, I was nearly ready to go do it. Fortunately, <laughs> the pro shop had closed. <laughs> I just truly hope. That Bay Hill, I, I don't know if they've had a lot of rain down there. The golf course bores me on TV. It really doesn't do that much. I mean, you got the one par five that Bryson, you know, was dry, was cutting and whatever. But it's it's a lot of the same golf holes. But it was so fun that a couple of years ago when the winning score was like one under or something like that, you know, because it was so bouncy and firm. And those guys actually, like that's to me, that's when the PGA Tour is the best to watch when they're playing at golf courses. They could light up, but because it's firm and hard, they can't like like some of the years when Colonial gets super baked out, like last year when they're going to redo it. It plays pretty difficult. Those guys actually have to think instead of just firing at a flag stick, uh, and it makes it so much better. So I hope they've, I hope it's baked a little bit so it's a little more challenging. Um, otherwise, to I me, love, it's, huh? I love that you make fun of golf courses you've never played. Well, I'm just saying from like a TV perspective, just watching it. it it's a really boring TV golf course. It's not, there's not, there's not a lot of like exciting. I mean, the finishing hole is kind of decent. And the finishing hole is good for TV. And Bay Hill has the best smelling included soaps with your room I have ever <laughs> had in my entire <laughs> life. This, I will so, okay. die on that hill. I have tried to find them online. Listeners, if anyone can find me the Bay Hill soaps anywhere, I will pay any amount of money. I will pay damn near cashmere cardigan money <laughs> for these soaps. They smelled so good. Okay, and listeners. It, 
Tim is jaded like about the golf man. course. The soap has nothing to do with the damn golf course. We golfed with a guy yesterday that played 36 holes during the day and said it was, he would never do it again because the golf course was so boring. He Tim is the letting were the best thing. Tim though. is letting the soaps here get the soap smell uh, fog wow. his brain here. Memory. It it probably is. It's I might I might still have half a bottle in the bathroom. I might have to go smell after this. <laughs> well, it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know the two you got Anthony Kim and Juan and. A decent field. Is this this is an elevated one? Is it? Yep. So it'll be a good field. I mean, so Scotty. If Scotty can make a putt, he shouldn't win. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's a ball striker's golf course. Yeah. So, well, a little news for the pod, and you guys can maybe touch on this. Uh, I was not in the latest meeting, but we are going to be joining as a podcast uh, something called the Golfer Gang Network. It's a community of golf podcasts that kind of come together to to support one another, help each other grow obviously passionate about golf. Um, you know what we're doing, nothing changes. We just still do our, you know, normally one or two a week and put them out like, like usual, but we kind of have that backing all in one space where you can go and actually see all the podcasts in one spot. And so I don't know if you guys have any more details about that, you know, getting a chance and opportunity to, to recently talk, but, but that's kind of the vibe that I was getting. And it's exciting, you know, knowing that we'll, kind of collaborate maybe some other podcasts and some other people and um, obviously one way to, to, to continue to grow. So that's uh that's kind of new for us and we're excited. Uh, anything else you guys want to wait now? Hold on. Now. It's not Bay Hill this week. We Tim... skipped a week. It's the Honda. Did I, I told you? Yeah. Oh, it's the Honda. what a, Oh, what a it's waste. Not Bay Hill. It's Hill. the cognizant, the cognizant classic. Oh the, Lord. The Honda. And then next week is Bay Hill. Oh, I guess we're all watching Jetta then. That's because uh, I knew when I knew I was watching TV after work today and um they were playing Tiger 2012 when he played that a Honda and shot 62 did not win but so I've I've one week until I need to find these soaps again. I've got one week to hunt them down <laughs> so I can relive my time at Bay Hill. Uh listeners if if you're interested, there's only a couple days left. I suppose we'd have to get Jeff out of here pretty quick. Um, but we do have a GoFundMe page up right now for Jeff Goes to Jetta. His passport is hot and ready. <laughs> and he will, I have no... with your donations, he will finally get out of slum class into a better airline and a better seat. So uh, we're, we're available on GoFundMe. Jeff Goes to Jetta. I bet you Jeff would fit in well in Jetta. He'd, he'd look, he'd just walk around and fit right in. I, yeah. He would be the whitest thing in in Jetta for sure. The the plane flight from Minneapolis is seventeen hours and thirty five minutes to Jetta. That's gonna be that's gonna be real <laughs> tough when you're sitting in seat forty A. You yeah. think you're tired? You think you're tired now after after flying three and a half hours from Palm Springs, wherever it is? <laughs> well, if you guys want to put me on a plane, I could do it on that. I was going to say, I think I, now that I think, yeah, I saw, I think Luke Donald's going to be doing something in the box this week, uh, some announcing at the Honda. I think I saw that. So now that now that Mike mentions that, I haven't seen any like Bay Hill stuff. But yeah, it's the cognizant. Trust Oh, God. That things happen. So I'm just, I'm just doing research about Jetta. 3.7 million people in Jetta. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, it's good to, uh, to chat with you guys again. Uh, you know, excited. Uh, the February is coming to an end. That means it's March time. That means we're getting closer and closer to, to the Masters and some really cool events like that. And then plus, 
the weather's so nice. We got our own games to start getting ready for, for the seasons. And we're also high school coaches and the high school season's uh, about to begin here as well. So a lot of um, fun things coming up and looking forward to, uh, yeah, doing some more of these as we, as we get moving. So give us a follow when you can, uh, you know, one of the things too that we can ask is we haven't really asked this a lot, but if you could do some rating for us, you know, give us a rating on Apple or Spotify, every little thing helps. Uh, you know, we don't like to, we're not beggars, but you know, sometimes just mentioning things like that, uh, little things that, that you could do to, to help our podcast, that would be a, a big help. So, but that being we, said, uh, well, before that's being said, we also look for ghostwriters. So if you're ever interested in writing your own newsletter for us, please reach out. We'd be happy to, uh, to have the conversation about what you're passionate about in the world of golf. And I heard the masters is next week now. So that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> As I continue to mess up the schedule. So, all right. Difference between 7, 9, and 80 is everything. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I got to keep it on the 80. It's the gold. Where you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80.